Welcome to the Powering Real Estate Podcast, sessions with top real estate business leaders and their strategies for success. Learn from some of the best in the industry. Join Lee Adkins as he talks to industry leaders on how they built and maintain their real estate business. All right, I'm joined today by Albert Vasquez. How are you, man? What's up, Lee, man? Always a pleasure to uh, sit down here and chit chat with you, man. Yeah, let's do it. I'm, I'm pumped. So, Albert, you're the team leader of AV Home Experts in Miami. Tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and about uh, what your team looks like. Yeah, no. So uh, real quick, we're a relatively young team. We, Our first team member joined us in 2017, uh, fourth quarter. And um, yeah, slowly little, we started growing. Uh, last year, uh, we were a total of um, four full-time agents that did the, you know, I would say, you know, 98% of our productions. And uh, we were able to finish the year around 40 million in sales for last year, just for 2021. And yeah, we just, uh, uh, exciting stuff that we just found out in the last few days here. We made the now rep top 100 real estate teams wow. for this US. And um, it's kind of like a little bit unofficial right now, but I, uh, we're also going to be uh, on the top list for the, uh, the real trends as well. So that's good too. Wow. First time us hitting all those benchmarks. We're a young team, so we're excited. <laughs> That's big time. That's killer. And I love it. I think for you, if I recall, you got in the business around the 08 shift, right? When you personally got in the business. Yeah. So um, I got personally, well, I originally tried to get into the business in 2000, right after graduating high school. And that filled out miserably. I filled my real estate exam eight times between the between 2000 and 2004, I filled that real estate exam hard. That was depressing, but I got, I still work in the real estate industry. So I kind of like made sure I, I, I stuck, stuck around, uh, did title, had my own title company. And then in 2008, I, after owning my own title company, I thought, well, you know what? I, I, let me see if I can get my real estate license. And I, I did it. And then um, in 09 was my first full year of real estate and made over a little a little over a hundred thousand dollars in my first year in real estate during a shifting market, and um, yeah, I never looked back. That's great. I I love it. And I love the uh, the growth of the team and how you do that. Now, a lot of your team members have been around for a while, though, right? I mean, you're not these guys have been consistently with you. I think. Uh, yeah, we're very blessed that um, we have a really high retention. So, like everybody that uh, started with us on day one is still there uh, for, for for the full timers. And everybody on our team right now, with the exception of one person, started their real estate career with us, meaning they got the license and started their real estate career with us. I find that very exciting, and especially to see, you know, the success of everybody on the team. Like one of the things that was really special to us is um, majority of the, of the agents and even staff of our team last year bought their first home. So that that was very exciting. To see that actually play out was really, really cool. Uh, seeing some of the other people on the team, like some of the um, uh, top performers that were able to, you know, get $180,000 in one year of real estate. When I remember one of them, 
uh, when their first year, they thought they'd be okay with 30 or 40, and he just kind of like crushed his goals. Uh, so it's, it's, it's beautiful seeing all the different stories that are developing, you know, all around you. I have another agent on our team who, you know, she might not necessarily be aiming for the $100,000 because it's not, it wasn't her intention. That's not what she's aiming for. But she was able to accomplish a lot of the other goals that she had in real estate as well, along with being a homeowner, along with being a, accomplishing a lot of other stuff. So a beautiful, I've always said this, it's beautiful in a team to walk together and do the journey together. Because if we would have reached those accolades by ourselves, and, and that would have been nice too, it would have been a little bit lonelier. It wouldn't be as satisfying. And there's something about shared growth that is very important because you share the growth, you share the struggle, right? You're not together on the struggles as well, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful. That's great. I love that so much. Yeah, I agree. There's maybe nothing more powerful outside of family than like being in a group, you know, and supporting each other. And, uh, and, and I love the way you said that, like not everybody's goal is to it's not money or it's not a sales number. You know, some people just want to like have a comfortable living and, and be around people they want to be around. You know, that that's a win. Yeah, no, I, I can tell you, you know, I have an agent on our team that the deciding factor for her to jump into real estate was the flexibility of time for her to be able to take care of her grandma. Because, you know, her grandma was kind of going through some sickness, you know, through the Alzheimer's. And just so the ability to be able to take care of her and be able to make income was a huge win. And let's not forget, she was making more than she was making already at her prior job. So, um, so, so it looks different for different people. And I think that um, it's very important for us to, as team leaders, to always kind of be, you know, aware of that, right? That some people don't need to make the $100,000 and they're living their best life with what they are now. Can we push them to growth? Yeah, of course, 100%. But growth doesn't, growth can be, you know, how to how instead of uh, making you know a hundred calls or a hundred conversations to find one deal, can you polish your skills so that now it takes you fifty calls, right? So you're still reaching your GCI goals, but you're getting there a lot faster and a lot more efficient and a lot smarter, you know? Yeah. So there's just a lot of ways that uh, real estate does provide a lot of flexibility. Yeah, for sure. I love that. There's two parts of what you just said I want to lean into a little bit more. So I think the different and they're both tied to the different, you know, different things for different people. I think one is what you said about as a team leader, recognizing that I think so many people in this business come from being a good agent and then they become a team leader because that's the next thing. But a lot of people don't understand that skill set or mindset shift from like, it's no longer about being good at selling houses. It's being good about helping other people get what they want, you know? And yeah, you know how, you know, the tactics of how to get it through real estate, but that shifting role. And some people don't like that. Some people think it's just selling more houses and they don't realize that. So I love the way you said that. Do you want to say anything more to kind of that change from production to team leader? Um, You know, it's really about understanding, being able to have deep conversations of what somebody truly would want. It, it, it's going to vary by person to person. Uh, I have someone else on our team who's a very hard worker. And one of the things that we had kind of uh, pushed them towards in the beginning of the year was, uh, why don't you take a month off? So literally right now in July, he's going to take a whole month off. He's going to be off the grid 
for an entire month. You know, um, success it can be measured by different metrics, and it's uh, and it's not just the money. It's the time. It is you know the piece, the quality of life that you can have. You know, so being able to see that. So we have you know people on our team that are married people on the team that are not married, people on our team with kids, without kids, that that definition of quality of life has a real wide uh, net, right? When you are looking at all the different qualities of life and their upbringings and what they have to struggle through and what they want. So I think that it's, um, as a team leader, it's very challenging to making sure you kind of keep everyone um motivated for what they want and providing an environment where they can grow to to be what they want to be you know um yeah so the beta it's it's, it's nice <laughs> i love that that's a great way to say it and i think the b side of that that i want to dig deeper into with you is is i think that also pertains to model too right to like company model is that like it is not yeah there's a, there are obviously there's some books and some things that say like do it this way but the reality of it is, is you have the opportunity to build a business around what you want to do and the other people that you want to do. And so something I know you and I have talked about before is, is that, but also I think you, you have some interesting ideas around um, lead generation that are maybe not super typical. They're not what the books say, but I think they make <laughs> good sense. You want to talk a little bit about kind of your buyer, yeah. your buyer. Yeah. So, beliefs. So, so let me paint the picture here, right? Let me paint the picture here. Look, when I got into real estate, a lot of people said, um, go out and get listings. And that was very intimidating for me to go out and call a stranger as I've never sold a house and tell them that they need to pay me the big bucks to sell the house. I found that very intimidating. And mind you, I got into real estate in 2008 and I was buying internet leads. And um, at that time, what I found out was if I can have enough people register, some, so you got to paint the picture here. This is 08, 09, right? Um, very early stages of this online platform for getting leads, right? Even though Google was around, this is, um, we were using Market Leader at that time. And um, what I noticed is that if I had like a hundred new leads, some of them would email me back and, or some of them would even call me. And it was such an easy way of doing business. It's just like, I, they think I'm proactive because I'm sending them emails. And I knew that all this was automated. What, what do I want to bring that up is that I noticed that on my first year of real estate, I became the number two salesperson for the office and I was brand new, right? I provided my hustle, right? I'm a hard worker, you know, I show up, you know, I, I like to provide great, all the stuff that a lot of people, I think we all want to say that, right? That go, we're hard working with all this, but it's just, how do you get to find the client? And what I slowly started to determine was that my listings were coming from a result of the buyers that I was working with. And what I started to also notice is as more people started to notice me because they were registered on my listing alerts, right? Some of those people that didn't transact with me would also refer me because they thought it was good service that I kept on sending them new properties. Uh, I don't know if you can get away with that nowadays, uh, but that was kind of like how it happened back in, you know, 08 or 09 and 10. But my perspective now has evolved and what I 
ideally want to provide to the agents on our team is a growth structure that they can have a lot of win-win opportunities. And what I have found is the the real estate industry is and just overall like marketing technologies, right? It's kind of highly more in favor for buyer um, um, opportunities. Buyer leads are theoretically cheaper for, you know, we can, we can go to the logistics of it, right? But buyer leads are cheaper. Um, buyer leads are the ones that are on your site consistently looking for properties, right? And what I have found is that even the CRM portions of things, right? Like, Take a look at follow boss. Take a look at all the data tracking that we have, right? The activity is about properties, right? It's about what they're looking for. You know, there's more technology stacks for us to monitor a buyer activity than there is to us to identify seller activity, you know? So if we have a strong system in place, right? Based on stages, based on timelines, on the properties that they're looking at, just with a very powerful system like follow boss, we can send them the right message at the right time, consistently over time to stay top of mind. For someone that might have in- came into our world because they were looking to buy a home, regardless if they did or didn't, two years down the road, they're transacting or referring us. I believe that that model works um, extremely well when I compare it to others that I've seen that only market to sellers, right? Or it's very heavily only sellers, and um, you know uh, we we've seen other teams that are you know they do a lot more sellers than us. But as I track different team activities in our market, I have not seen them have the growth that we've had in productions as um, as what we are right and. Um, and, and and I don't I don't think that they're that we're better than them because of that. I just think that, you know, we're one of those few that we probably prioritize a little bit more on the buyer side. And I think that buyers are a beautiful thing. They present you also the buyers, when they buy, they're extremely grateful. You know, they're very, you know, quick to give a review. Um obviously you gotta provide a great service. A lot of times the sellers, you know, not all the time, but sometimes they're gonna be moving away, you know? And then sometimes the seller's uh, mindset of the whole entire thing is just coming from a different perspective, right? Uh, being able to to pay the commission and it's just um, they're ha- we've had very grateful sellers. Uh, some of them even happier than some than some buyers. Um, but overall, you know, I just I just think that buyers is a really great opportunity. That I was having a conversation with someone the other day that we should be a lot more appreciative of it. And if we listen to a lot of the the activity that can happen in our real estate market, sometimes it's like we put the sellers on the pedestal. And, you know, if we want to go all technical, we do need a seller to get a buyer, right? Um, right, right. But I'm yeah, running we need, different we need logistics. Both. Yeah, we need, we need both. Yeah. I'm running different logistics. Yeah. And the logistics is that if you are a team that's equipped to work with buyers at a high level and you have systems and models to do so, you might find yourself capitalizing more, especially if that's what you've been able to do in the last three years. For sure. Well, and I think also, I mean, there's a couple of reasons this fits beautifully for you. Number one, if you are going to have newer agents, then buyers makes perfect sense. 
you can feed everybody. You also made a great point that a buyer's easier to find because they're looking at properties, but it's also not uncommon. They're either super grateful because they're first time and they need a ton of help, or they also have a property to sell. So you definitely, as a percentage, have a greater likelihood yeah, of I getting didn't touch more on that, but yeah. Yep. They're gonna be around. They're gonna be around for a while. But yeah, I think the other thing I wanna reiterate that you said is having that system. And it doesn't need to be complicated. You just need to have a way to capture and categorize them. I mean, it's it's really that simple, right? Like this guy, call this guy next year, call this guy in six months, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, let's take a look at a quick example, right? A buyer, every time a new property comes on the market, even if it's like relatively close to the a neighborhood that they're considering, they're always gonna, for the most part, wanna check it out. A seller, once they've gotten their market trends value, um, like, you know, they'll open it the first week and then maybe the, the following week or the next month. But after like, you know, like, okay, I got somewhat of an idea, you know, maybe they'll pay attention to, oh, this one's got sold and, and they'll look at some of the ones properties that are getting sold. But for the most part, they're not that clicky clicky to all the other stuff that we're gonna be sending them for real estate activity, right? A buyer is going to be, oh, wow, there's a new one. Okay, let me, oh, that one just sold, you know? And that's a lot of leverage that we can, if we have the right tools, like we use Ylopo, right? And um, every time that someone comes back to the site, that is juice for us, right? It can kick off, uh, it'll update all our follow-up boss smart list of who do we need to be able to pay attention on, right? They can trigger uh, priority earners so that we can put more emphasis on those people versus the others, right? It's just, there's a lot that is stacked in our favor, pop, you know, for that buyer activity trend than there is for the sellers. And um, yeah, they're moving into the neighborhood. That means they'll probably stay there. We can do housewarming parties for them. We can do a lot. Of, they can refer their friends to them. You know, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And I, I again, I'm not saying that we're going to turn out the listing. We love listings and I think we do them really well. We have our secret sauce for it. Like we we do it very, very well. It's just, we've also tried a bunch of different lead sources and a bunch of different ways to go about it. Also understanding the skill level, right? The, the type of person and the personality type that takes to go through a lot of those no's, the harsher no's, right? Because you're going to get no's on both sides, right? Um, and it's just, just the journey to get to 50 deals as an example with the buyer side, with the seller side, it's just, it's just, it's different, you know? And um, as someone that is going to be building a team and you want to provide opportunities for people, I think it's very important to understand those differences. Yeah, I love that. And let's talk a little bit now maybe about um, also your your growth path, if you're comfortable sharing. And I know you, you've grown more recently and, and um, you know, what's what, what's happening with you now and what's the big goal? Oh, well, um, so we are very excited. We just hired our operations manager. This is a first for us. Uh, he just started yesterday. And um, right now, if we're going to be conservative, our growth path for this year is probably going to be somewhere around 65 mil, give or take. and if all goes well to 2023 is the year where it's uh we're probably uh, going to have our biggest growth 
uh, our ops manager would have already been in the position for the you know six months. And um, yeah, our next year we're we're the goal that we're hitting for is a hundred mil. Love it. And uh, what does that look like? It looks like adding a few people. You know, going through the recruiting process, going through a lot of those stuff. Yeah, it's going to be exciting times. Good. Yeah, I love that. And I, I something I want to touch on a little bit is that. You know, I think you're pretty operational minded. I mean, you've done really well up to this point. So I want to, I want to, and obviously, you know, I live in this space, but I want to understand a little bit more of what drives somebody like you, who's pretty operationally savvy to still bring on operations. I think that'd be useful for people to understand. You know what? That's a really good topic, right? I, I was puzzled by it by myself. So I'll tell you how that came about, because that was not the original plan I would like to add, you know? Our, the original plan until prior to January of this year was a small elite team of 10 with no operations manager. Um, so uh, I started coaching with um, Bryant Curtis and I came to the realization that I do have weaknesses that I can either A, go ahead and overcome, or B, leverage. And some of those weaknesses came into my, you know, I being operational-minded, very analytical on this side of things, right? I noticed that some of that can get in the way of hiring people, right? And going through a lot of these other stuff. And I think that, if I can, as, as, I, as I became aware of some of those weaknesses, I started becoming aware of a few other more weaknesses. And I was like, it makes a lot more sense to bring someone in and power us up, right? On areas that I'm not strong in and let them shine in that. And then we, I can continue to, you know, be operational mind and still work on other projects. But we're going to be able to grow because there's going to be someone that is literally going to overcompensate for the stuff that is not working for me. That's great. I love it. So, you know, for you being operations minded already, like I definitely want to understand more about like why I think people would be like, well, if you're good at operations, why would you add a full time person to do just that? That's a really good question. And <laughs> Um, that wasn't the original plan, right? Because originally the way I had envisioned it for a long time was a small team, you know, small and mighty team. And what I came to realize that some of the teams, some of the goals that we wanted to reach were going to require the team to be bigger than what it, than what I originally envisioned it. And in order to do so, I noticed that it's going to require a lot more hiring and it's going to require a lot more onboarding and it's going to require a lot of the other stuff. And it's going to take away from my time from doing a lot of the other stuff as well. And I also noticed that it wasn't necessarily my highest level of enjoyment. You know, it was among my weaknesses. So it made sense after much thought to hire someone that would leverage those pieces of our business in which they would be able to excel in. Uh, just because they're operations doesn't necessarily mean that you have to step up completely from that side. 
But uh, the way I look at it is we can probably collaborate a lot together and they can take lead as I can work more on coaching with the agents and doing a lot of the other stuff that's going on. There's uh, the reality is there's a lot on my plate and being able to leverage the side that, that I enjoy the most still made sense because they were going to go ahead and step into other sides that I was weakened, like hiring people, you know, and going through all those interviews, Yeah, you know, onboarding. That makes great sense. Something else. I tell people a lot that I, I feel really strongly about too, is that, well, for one, your role, your role, like you just said, your role may change in different situations, right? And you, there may be, this is you, that's them. But I think too, you know, you do need a leader or a manager, or sometimes I call it a good cop or a bad cop. Like you could now maybe be the good cop. We're just like, Hey, everybody's doing great. Good. Have a great day. And the operations manager can say, Hey, you didn't make your calls, <laughs> you know? <laughs> I'm waiting for that day. Let's see how that plays out, you know. But yeah, I've been I've been the back cop, if you will, you know. Got to call people out. Um, but yeah, you know that that's gonna be fun. I never thought about it that way. <laughs> That'll be episode two. We'll have to circle back and and uh, re- revisit that one. But I, I really love that for you. And, and you know, on some level, you know, talented people in the right seats are everything. You know, like that's the key to literally everything. And, um, and that's so key. Yeah, I love it. And, and to your point earlier, like different and different people respond to other people differently, too. You know, sometimes they may just have different rapport with a different person. Like you may find that half of your team goes to them with questions and half the team comes to you directly with questions. And that's fine unless that doesn't suit your model, you know. Yeah. You know, let me tell you, we're very happy and excited for the operations manager role that got uh, put into it. For the reasons that you're bringing up right now, right? Yeah, it is going to be different hearing it from someone else. It is going to be different having two people on it. It's also going to be different where someone's full-time job is literally focusing on that. Where as I had to take a look at uh, literally all the other stuff, marketing, right? Um, had to look at production, ISAs, a little bit of everything else. Literally being able to share the load and have someone else that can help manage that for me would allow the time, even if I were to put the same amount of time, would allow the time that I am going to spend with those departments and with those people and with those, you know, topics at hand to be a lot more efficient. It's just going to be someone that's also going to help not just the team, right? But it's going to help me out as well. I think that it makes a lot of sense. The way I like to look at it is it makes a lot of sense to have an administrative assistant, right? A lot of people are always going to say hire an EA, right? Uh, an executive assistant that makes a lot of sense. By the way, if you're listening to this podcast and you have not, this is easily the the, the best thing you can do for any business, right? And the, the, there's there's quite a little bit of difference between that and an operations, you know. And it's being able to kind of supercharge an EA, right? An executive assistant, and giving them more responsibilities and more le- of a leadership role right? Where they can uh, be there for the team, for the people, help keep them accountable and understand all those roles really well, you know? So we're, we're excited. That's awesome. Yeah. And then I think the other thing, obviously, that you'll find very soon is just that, that truly collaborative partner in the sense that like agents kind of go from thing to thing or like, oh, I need this or I need this training or whatever. But like 
somebody who really understands your business. And I'm a massive fan of coaching and Brian's fantastic, but there's something also amazing about having that person in the weeds with you who was really just more collaborative. They can find opportunities. You know, there are things you've done, you've always done that way that are probably really good, but they can still potentially find that that little 1% change that at the volume you're doing now, you know, 1% or a 5% difference is, that's a, that's a big difference. That's a big jump. You know, yep. when you're a solo, it's not so much, but yeah. yeah. So that, that makes a lot of sense too. I'm excited. That makes a lot of sense having someone else that's there with you in the journey next to you. Right. You know, elbow to elbow, you know, literally living out every single play. Yeah, totally. I, I, I really, I love that. I mean, even to use like the sports analogy, you know, and like something like baseball, like you've got, there are still levels of managers and different, different people, you know, there's a, a batting coach and a pitching coach, and then they all, you know, culminate into one unit, one team. Exactly. Yeah, no, I agree. Awesome. Well, let, let's talk a little more about two more quick things I want to cover. Um, something you mentioned earlier that I really like is this idea of being a little more clear on kind of the persona of what you want. And that doesn't necessarily mean personality, but just like the more clear you are on who are some of these team members, the easier it is to give a quicker yes or a quicker no. So can you talk just a little more to that? Like what, what are you looking for when you're adding team members? You know, I've gone back and forth with this. And again, I've, if you remember, I'm the one that said um, hiring is part of the weakness. And I, I think that where I am at now, I think that the most important thing you can ever look for anybody that you're going to hire is that they are a good cultural fit for the team, right? Um, that means that they need to be someone that is just going to mesh well with the rest of the team members. Um, and it's just going to be someone that is a good team player. I think a good team player is someone that is smart, hungry, and humble, right? There's a whole book on that, right? Smart, hungry, and humble. And um, yeah, that's ideally what we're looking for. In, the, in my beginning days, it was a lot about, you know, a lot of interviews, all this other stuff to think that you got it right. But then they're not making calls, right? So that looks a lot different. So I think that for right now, for, for it to be part of our world is we're going to have an interview. We're going to see, you know, how we vibe together and probably not going to make you jump a thousand hoops like I used to back in the days and, um, you know, g give you a seat. And within 90 days, you're going to see if this is working out uh, for, for both of us. It has to be a win for them and it has to be a win for us. But another strong thing for us, we're, we're in South Florida. We have a lot of Spanish speakers. So we do try to look for bilingual people, ideally. And yeah, that's kind of what we're trying to focus on. You know, um, someone that can be a team player, uh, grow with us, and hopefully be bilingual. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I, I love that. I know it makes makes perfect sense. But yeah, just being clear on that uh, is really everything. And we kind of touched on this, but I, I just wanted to go a little bit deeper on overall systems. The fact that and you and I have talked about this previously, but the fact that those systems, you know, do break and grow and change. And so, like, I think some of us sometimes feel like, oh, man, my systems aren't that great, but you've got them. And then you get to a point where you've got them and they work, but maybe they don't work for version six of your business. And then every now and then a few of us get to the 
you know, I'm 95% on my systems. So let's just talk a little bit because you really are a systems guy. Like you're definitely in the upper part of that. But how do we take our systems from like 60% to 80% to 90%? The simple answer is you got to be obsessed. <laughs> I, I I obsess over it. Let's just be like, I'm. my default personality is to like work on the system. What in 2017, before I had a team member, and I shared this story before, like I obsessed on having a system that was that will support agents being successful. I worked more on systems before an agent came on to our team than I did looking for agents to join our team. So um, my default personality, and the reason that I do that is because someone uh, being a numbers guy right the logistics are are overwhelming right the numbers are overwhelming that someone is going to succeed faster and easier when everything is chopped down in front of them and they can plug into your world and if we are truly wanting other people to be successful in our organization systems and models is where we should be able to spend most of our efforts and investments in and what I thought was a really cool system in 2017 is probably nowhere near what I think it is today. But how do you get there? You know, I thought it was really cool that every new lead would automatically have a new lead source updated to them back then. Those were cool. Those were valuable. You know, um, being able to identify who we called and we didn't. Now it's like, okay, you know, now we're looking at other stuff. And the reality is, you have to have a baseline and my baseline is going to be very different than everybody else's and everybody else's is going to be different than ours. But when you obsess of consistently looking for improvements, like we live by this one uh, this, uh, this rule, the 1% rule, you know, 1% better a week. Uh, that's a constant question that we have with our uh, admin teams, right? Like how are we looking to make, you know, even the action plans that we have, the automations, how can we make it better, you know? And better can be, is it easier to understand? You know, sometimes it's performance-based. Sometimes it's just, is it making everything else easier? So when we, when we ask those questions, you're going to, you reverse engineer it, right? You start with a problem. You know, like, oh, so a good leader listens to everything else that it's involved in the organization. I would look at the transaction, what were some pain points? You know, or I'll talk to the agent. What are some pain points? Oh, I can't find, you know, the hottest leads. Okay, well, let's see how we can make a smart list that can identify who are your hottest opportunities. Or, oh, okay. And then you just got to listen. You got to ask the right questions. And the more problems that reach your desk, the more problems you have to solve and you reverse engineer it. And then you try it that way and they're liking it and they're going to tell you a month or two later that there's, yeah, that's good and that is better, but A, B, and C. Now that's a new problem you got to go out and solve, you know? And for me, I find that exciting. You know, that's just, I, I get a thrill out of it. I think that's an important way to say it because I think everybody thinks that they just are going to, like get this system figured out and then it's just going to be there forever. And it never works that way. It always iterates tools, change people come and go like it, it, it doesn't. But I think what I want to make a, a really obvious point at for you in particular 
the fact that you put that much work in in 2017, even though that system now is probably like old, like you're, you're like, I could never use that now. The fact that you started with such a strong plan means your iteration is is also multiplying. So you're getting better faster because you set it. The first, you know, you can't set it and forget it, but you got to set it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's like any good software. You know, we're all excited to get the software launched, right? And then you got your software updates. And I mean, just look at Follow Boss. Look at Follow Boss in 2017, and look at Follow Boss today. Like. If you didn't do anything out, like let's just say for 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 giggles, let's just say our systems were exactly the same. There is a ton of tools that Follow Up Boss added that would make your life a lot easier just to update it just from what it was, you know, in 2017. I mean, just if you were to update just the tool that they incorporated just in the last 12 months, that's going to look wildly different, you know. And then if you're like me. That you'd like to obsess on this, like all these coming soon features, like what are they working on? I get excited about the things that I'm going to be changing in the future, you know? Right, so right. Like you're ready to do it before you even have it. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, give it to me, give it to me. <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. Cool, Albert. Anything else uh, that we should tackle, or that I any anything I didn't ask you that we want to talk about? No, man. I know you've been great as always, man. I you know I appreciate uh, our time together. I just, I just think that we're blessed to be in the real estate industry. We're blessed to be surrounded with great people. There's a lot, you know, like, like Lee, bro, like you're constantly giving out to the real estate community. And I started thinking a little bit more about that, how blessed we are in the real estate community to have great personnel that step up and do podcasts, right? Like, like you've had a lot of guests in here that have shared gold nuggets you know and and it's like we're in an era where truly there is an abundance of people that are being generous with their time and wanting to help and and i think that it's up it's up to us right up to the the viewer the listener to make the most out of the time that we're living in you know yeah it's 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 a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing and i always like to tell the team live your career now in a way that if four years down the road, the books were to reflect that this was the hottest real estate market that you never told yourself, I wish I could have, you know, and um, it's very possible that, you know, you know, 2020, we thought 2019, we thought that was the hottest market in 2020. Like we're this constant awesomeness that we keep on writing it. And I do think that if you're skill based, regardless of how the market shifts, there's always a market for those that are willing to put in the work, you know? Yeah. I love it. I, I would say I'm just, I'm just overall grateful for the amazing people that have been around me and then just helping me see things different. You know, it's awesome. I love it. We're all better together for sure. hundred percent. Love it. Thank you, Albert. I really appreciate it, man. I look forward to uh, the next time we get to catch up. All right, Lee, man. I appreciate you, man. Take it. Take care. I'll see you in Atlanta. Yes. Thanks for listening. If you enjoy listening to Powering Real Estate, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. Subscribes and reviews help other people find us and allow us to keep interviewing top industry experts. If you're looking for a customized solution for your follow-up boss account or wanting a free assessment of your account, visit AmplifiedSolutions.com. There you can also find free resources and link with us. 